Well, guys, did you know there was a football game last Sunday? We have our slides up. Yeah, of course, the Bears versus the Eagles, and uh, it was a very, very exciting game. There were a lot of different things that happened, and then a moment took place. If I could have the back slide, next slide, thank you. Uh, and, and then that moment happened, and it's a moment in Chicago sports history that will be similar to this moment. Excuse me. Remember that moment? Steve Bartman? Oh, man, I tell you. Yeah, well, you know the story. Uh, Bears, uh, in the fourth quarter, 16-15, uh, to 15, Eagles were leading, and uh, it was... Uh, what, 30, I think it was like 10 seconds left or something like that. And so the Bears had the opportunity to win the football game with a field goal. And our Mr. Consistent Cody Parkey came out. Nobody got nervous, did you? Because again, I mean, yeah, he's had a tough year. And everything's riding on this one kick. And he kicks it, and all of a sudden the whistle goes off. And, of course, it's not going to count. And he makes it through. So, oh, well, there's a good start, okay? He made it through at 43 yards. And then the next play happened. Let's watch a video. The double doink. The double doink. Can you believe that? I mean... Unbelievable. How can that happen? Well, let's watch it again. It bounces twice, once against the upright, then the bottom, and then it bounces. It doesn't bounce in, it bounces off. Who could have believed that? And I just sat in front of my TV set. I was like three feet from it. I was just stunned. I said, how could that happen? How, how could this be the end? It can't. Be. And of course, it was. It was the case. And you know how Chicago fans are. There's a bunch of idiots out there, you know, death threats against Cody and things like that. Give me a break. It, that's when you worship football, when you get that engaged with it. It's disappointing, no doubt about that. We don't go uh, that far. Now, this is a, a picture of what took place. And you see Parkey kicking the ball. This was, again, as it went toward the field goal. And the encouraging news, I guess, if there's any encouraging news in this, is that Devin Hester, or Tre Trevin Hester, got his fingertips on the ball. You see the ball up there on the top in the box? And Trevin Hester is number 90 there. And his hand is up there, and his hand actually touched the football. And that's, of course, what it made it go in a totally different type trajectory. And the point was not made. And I tell you what, forever we're going to remember this game. Just like we did this particular time. I was doing some research, and I found that Steve... Bartman, in 2016, they gave him a World Series ring. How many knew that? How many knew that? 
Yeah, they gave him a world. Ricketts family decided they were going to show a lot of grace to him, and they gave him a Super Bowl ring. And doesn't a guy like that deserve it more than anybody? So, as I was thinking about this event, I said, okay, now, what is a way that I can tie a spiritual truth to this experience? Because we're all going to remember it for the rest of our lives if you're a Bears fan, I guess that is. What are we going to associate this with? Yes, there's a lot of pain associated with it. But at the same time, what could we positively associate with? Well, friends, you see, uh, (laughs) Trayvon Hester's hand, this is after it, it hit his hand. And so I said, what about the hand? The hand that blocked the kick. And I thought about the hand of God. The fingers of God. And it's amazing how He operates in our life. And that His finger, His hand, can change the trajectory of our lives. Now, if we were to compare our life from that football being kicked to when it bounced off the upright. We can compare our life to that span of time. God works in mysterious ways. Maybe you can think back to a certain time in your life when something happened. As we said, we call them game changers, right? Something happened and maybe you didn't even realize it. Maybe it was something very painful to you. Maybe it was something that rocked. Your world, but as you reflect upon it, that particular event changed my life. I was talking to a friend, and uh, we are talking about his son who got into a uh, very serious auto accident. He was drunk, and his car rolled over several times, and this son had been rebellious and going in the wrong direction. My friend struggled with that. And, uh, but, but as he looks back on it, that was the turning point in his son's life. It's because of that particular incident that he's walking with God today. So that was the finger of God. The hand of God at work. And the beautiful thing about being a Christ follower is that uh, God's hand is always at work on us. Even when we're in rebellion, even when we're walking away from Him, we still have the same picture up here. This will be the next slide on the back wall for me. Thank you. So, here we have Michelangelo's uh, creation. So we have God creating Adam. And what do we see here? We see the finger of God. We see the hand of God. And again, uh, it's still the same. I really need the next slide. Thank you. Uh, All right, there you go. All right, so the hand of God. We're going to talk about that today because we're continuing in a series. Thank you very much. Uh, 
21 dangerous prayers. 21 days, that is, of dangerous prayers. We're looking at particular prayers that, that, that step beyond the normal type of prayers when you say, God, enter into my life. God, guide me. God, search me. Last week we talked about God, protect me. And we talked about how every day we need to put on the full armor of God. We need to put the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, and the belt of truth, and the gospel, shoes of peace, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Because every day we're stepping into a spiritual battle. And we need to remember that. That every day is about walking and living for the Lord. Uh, next, or this week, we're going to be talking about search me, Ephesians six eleven. But on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Remember we talked about the idea of standing. We don't go after Satan, but we stand with the armor of God. And God will allow us to resist him and all that he does. Today we'll be talking about search me. When was the last time you said that? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Lord, I want you to evaluate my life. I want you to tell me where I'm... It's, I, I can't see. I, I, I don't even... I'm not aware of whatever sin you want to show me. But I'm opening myself. It's like going to your husband or wife and saying, tell me what I need to do differently. <laughs> yeah, uh, that won't happen in a lot of homes. But uh, that's, a, that's a good thing to say, isn't it? To want to grow in your marital relationship so again, search me in the coming weeks, break me, and send me. Uh, we also want to encourage you to pick up the 21-day prayer devotional. You can go on our website. This is click on Dangerous Prayers image, and you can click here on the bottom, and you can download it, and you can buy it on Amazon, uh, get a Kindle version, or you can get a paper version uh, back in our foyer for just $2. How many... Uh, are using the devotional. Raise your hand high. Okay. Well, we need more. <laughs> we just started last week. So I really, really want to encourage you to do this because this is something we're doing as a church. We need prayer. We need to ask God to bless our church and to guide us and to search us out. God, show me where, where my pride is and where it shouldn't be. And Lord, convict me of some type of sin. Usually we don't want to be asking that type of prayer, and that's why it's a dangerous, dangerous prayer. Now again, we're talking about the hand of God. The hand of God. We see the reference to the hand of God, and even the fingers of God, many different times as we move throughout the Bible. In Joshua, when he was encouraging the people, give them a pep talk. Hey, we're going to take the promised land. He said, for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over. You remember that? You remember what God did? As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over. So that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand 
of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. The hand of God, it, it signifies, as we see in most verses, the sovereignty of God. Remember we talked about that in a real God series? The sovereignty of God, that God is in control of everything. There's nothing that happens that surprises God. And so he's, he's saying to the Israelites, Joshua, remember the hand of God. Remember what he's done for us as we lived in Egypt and then uh, were brought out of Egypt and, and given the Ten Commandments and how he's provided for us with manna and all these different types of things. Yes, remember that. The quail, remember that. And as we go into this new adventure, this new journey, a very dangerous one, going into Canaanite land and trying to, again, over city, overcome cities like Jericho. You needed a pep talk when you went after that type of thing. But again, the hand of the Lord is mighty. So again, the association is, <laughs> I know what you call it, Cody Parker's Miss, Parky, that is, Miss Field Goal. But when you hear about that in the news this next week, uh, he was on today of the day show, I think, on Friday, and uh, said he was sorry about it and all that kind of thing. And he did that in the, in the, uh, the locker room. But uh, when you hear about this, or somebody might bring it up, right? Anybody bring? Have any of you talked about the Cody Parkey uh, kick with any of your friends? Well, yeah, of course. It's been all over the news. I mean, it's you know, it's what you talk about. It's it's the most interesting news. That was out there uh, for this past week. And so you talk about it. So when somebody talks about it, again, I'm trying to set up a memory association in your head. Okay? So think of, again, the eagle player hand and, and, and changing the trajectory of the football just with his fingers. He said he didn't get much on the ball. And think about that whenever you hear about this incident, like the Fog Bowl. We talked about that. Uh, I think it was the 25th anniversary recently or something like that. And so, yeah, I remember the Fog Bowl. Fog Bowl. And the Bertram. And now, uh, again, the Eagles field goal miss, or our miss, that is, uh, associated with that. The hand of God... And if you really work, you know how memory association is, right? You know how people can go into a room and, and go through a whole audience and remember all their names. Well, it's because they're, they're thinking of an image that they associate, associate with that person and they tie it to that image. And their mind is so fast they can do that. And they've got all this vast library of associations that they can use to remember different things. How many use memory association? Well, you all do, right? <laughs> That's how you live a lot of your life, right? But you see a stop sign and boop, stop, right? That was memory association. Maybe you saw that in a driver's ed class, I don't know, or a driver's uh, <laughs> help class. Um, but that is what we want to talk about. The hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord of God together. What's a hand? Well, a hand is a Prehensile multi-fingered appendage located at the end of a forearm or forelimb of primates such as humans, chimpanzees, monkeys, and lemurs. Well, uh, no, no, no. God created us special, right? He created us with the image of God. And He gave us this amazing thing called a hand. 
And most of us are blessed enough to have two hands. What do we know about the hand? Well, 27 bones, 29 joints, 123 ligaments. Look at your hand. Amazing. Look at your hand. Come on. Oh, yeah, look at your hand. <laughs> it's a simple exercise. It really is not hard or that threatening. But look at your hand. It's amazing. A fingerprints are unique. Of course, we know that, right? Not one person on this earth, I don't know what we're up to now, 7 billion or something like that, has the same fingerprint because it comes from the unique DNA that God has given us. And there is no man or woman that's ever lived that has had your same fingerprint. Isn't that just amazing? That's how God works. Now, the hands don't have any muscles in them because the tendons, of course, are what work the hand. The tendons make the hand move and, and again, force it to uh, do whatever you want to do to, to it. Uh, left-handed people, about 8% of the population, raise your hand if you're left-handed. All right. Is life harder as a left-handed person, Joe? Absolutely. Okay, that's right. <laughs> We want to encourage our left-handed friends. Uh, and fingernails are like hair. So if you look at your fingernail, if you were just to, again, shrink that thing down to the shape of a hair, it'd be the same structure. So you look at your fingernail, that's just like a huge nail in terms of the way that it's structured. Friends, this is the hand that God gives us. I mean, think about going through the week. Without hands. I mean, we use our hands for so many different things. And just think about the fact that we, we, we've just taken a moment to, to think about our hand. And, and that's amazing, isn't it? We can praise God for that. And friends, that's, that's how you continue to praise God. That's how you continue to keep your focus on Him. Is to be thankful for what? He's given you. No matter what might be going on in your life, there are so many gifts, so many good things that are going on that we don't pay attention to because our mind is going to go toward the negative. Oh, this is terrible. Uh, you know. No, no, no. We need to continue to thank God. That's one of the spiritual disciplines. So, when you think of your hand, raise your hand just a little bit. Can everybody do that? Okay, this is part of the memory association. Okay, now... Kind of put it up against the uh, slide there, okay? And get that memory association down. <laughs> the hand, the eagle hand. <laughs> the, uh, that's what we'll call it. We'll call it the eagle hand. Change the directory of that football that led to the Bears not going to the playoffs. Excuse me. Uh, I can get emotional about this. Um, but, but, but I'm serious. Because this is what I'm doing in my mind. Instead of just remembering how stunned I was and the Incredible disappointment that went through every part of my body. I'll remember that. But I'll remember the eagle hand as well. God has an eagle hand. And that hand is a part of your life if you're a Christ follower. And if you're not a Christ follower, if you haven't made that decision to follow Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and Lord, do that today. Jesus Christ died for you because you were a sinner. And he died for your sins. He paid the penalty in order 
that you might have a relationship with God. And all you have to do is come to God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. I know that I can't earn my relationship with you. No matter what I do, it's nothing to you. And I humbly accept your gift of forgiveness. Your gift of forgiveness. And when you do that, friends, if, I mean, we encourage people, like, say, the sinner's prayer. It's just kind of a prayer that explains those different concepts that I explained to you. But uh, just because you say the prayer doesn't mean that you're a Christ follower. Well, you say the prayer, you make a faith commitment, uh, you make a decision to become a Christ follower. And many times people say, well, I made that decision, but there was never any change in their life. No fruit whatsoever. Well, you've got to look at your life if there's no fruit showing up. That's when one should think about, hey, it was a really sincere did I, did I really make that decision? We'll see a verse about that later in the presentation. But, uh, yeah, the hand of God, the eagle hand of God. God's called an eagle, so that fits the eagle hand of God. Well, let's talk about the challenge of prayer. Prayer is one of the most difficult things, one of the most challenging disciplines in our spiritual life. It's just hard to do. Why is that? Well, you know, you don't get any feedback in prayer. So if I call Irma, I call Adam, my cell phone, my smartphone, maybe my Bluetooth, and I talk to them, and it's great when they talk back to me. Because if they don't talk back to me, I'm saying, hello, hello, and I'm trying to call again, you know. Something goes on, the call gets cut off. But the point is that feedback is very important. So I say, Adam, you know, wave your hand, buddy. Adam's a great young man, man of God, leader in our ministry. Uh, So Adam, when we talk, I I see you right now, and you're probably even a little more heightened to this conversation because I'm having it with everybody listening in. All right? So you're you're probably going to remember this conversation. You won't remember anything that I said you say, oh, back in 2000-whatever, Harrison talked to me from the platform. You can remember this. You've got to associate with it. Put your hand up. Associate. No, very good. Okay. Now, we're talking. Now, that, this is, I mean, the best type of communication is if I came down, right, and I gave you a hug. Come here, bud. I love you, man. I love you, little girl. You're a precious son of God. So, I mean, this, again, without you people would be the best way for us to kind of, you know, connect. Now, again, I might call them. On my new Galaxy 9, my Motorola finally died, and I, I call at him up, and I can't see him, but I can hear his voice. And that's so cool, isn't it? We can talk to people wherever we are at and, and, and enjoy those relationships, okay? Or if I was of a younger generation, I'd text him, right? i text Adam. Now, again, for those of us who are older, we, we don't really understand that because we didn't grow up that way. The sense that a text is something that's really meaningful conversation, but again, whole new generation, whole new world. So I could text him. And when you text a person, are you anticipating them texting you back? I mean, how long do you watch to see if they're immediately watching, or uh, you check your phone as they text? Well, it depends on who you're texting, right? Maybe you don't expect anything back, all right? Or I could really go old school. And I could write a letter to Adam. Anybody written a letter, not, not a, a card to somebody, 
Anybody write a letter last year? Raise your hand. A letter some of you mailed. It. Way to go! Way to keep the fine art of letter writing <laughs> engaged. But back in the old days, you know, that's all they had. And they'd write a letter and they'd have to send it back and listen to a World War II uh, novel right now. And it's talking about this guy who's in prison writing letters to his kids. And I'm thinking, wow, that was a long time ago. But friends, let's say that I'm alone in this auditorium. Adam, Adam, can you hear me? Adam, remember we talked on Sunday? Adam, you were here. I talked, I gave you a hug, man. Where are you? Adam, get in here. Right? Yeah, that's what prayer is like because we are so trained and it's just intuitive us for us to want feedback when we're communicating with somebody. But in prayer, you don't have consistent feedback. Now, again, God, I've never heard God talk to me before. I don't think that's very common. Uh, God can give me an impression in my mind. He can put a thought into my mind. The Holy Spirit can use His Word. I mean, I can, in a sense, have an experience with God because I know that He's there even though He's not responding to me. But that's really hard to do, right? We don't do that in any other area of our lives. And if you're talking out loud, to think people are there, you probably should you know, talk to a professional. Uh, <laughs> but that's what we're doing. We're doing what nobody else does in our culture. Well, there are many religions. But we're praying to someone who is not tactically responding. And friends, that's one of the reasons it's so hard for you and I to develop a consistent, dynamic prayer life because there's no feedback. All right? Another reason is it doesn't bring immediate results. How many, how many have Amazon Prime? You know, Two-day shipping. Amazing, right? Just amazing. We, we take it for granted that if they don't get there by noon, oh, I'm going to have to wait till 8.30 tonight for that particular thing. I mean... We just pop. we had a problem with instant gratification before the web. Now we really have a problem with it. We want the answer now. One of my greatest frustrations is trying to find a person to talk to on the phone. Because again, they don't want to spend money on those type of people. They want you to email and text and chat and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, but by the fact that I can actually connect and they send me a package, that really is wonderful. I mean, it's awesome. Back in the old days, you know, to wait for you know, the express to come through. And now everything's instant. And that is another reason why prayer is so challenging. Because we're so used to instant gratification in so many different areas of our lives. And we come to pray, and many times there's nothing there. It might, you might be you know, really spiritually burned out or whatever, not in touch with God, and you feel nothing, you hear nothing. And that's why it's so difficult to pray. Another thing we need to remember is that prayer is not a project. Prayer is not a task that we, again, click off or check off on our list. 
And we, we love, how many like to do to-do lists? I mean, I assume everybody's just some degree, you know, you like to get things done. Got that done, okay, good job, we'll move on to the next task. And we live in such a fast-paced world, so many different expectations, so many different things to explore, so many things to make life happen every day that sometimes prayer just becomes a task. This is something I need to do. Uh, I'll do a little bit of it. I'm not really crazy about it. It's not normal, that type of thing. But, but it's, it's just another task for you. And here's the thing. You don't, all the time, you don't receive a kiss, consistent level of uh, that you've accomplished something, right? Look, I did that. You walk away and say, well, I pray, but I don't feel any different. And you know what happens? Is we like that gratification. And that's another reason why you struggle with your prayer life. Because it's not Amazon Prime. It's not Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or anything like that. It takes a process. Again, because what you're doing is you're, well, prayer is not a project, but a relationship. You're developing your relationship with God, the old school way, okay, all right, one-on-one with God, and, and if we just view it as a project, we're, we're going to give up fast because we don't feel like we're getting anything done, when in reality, the most effective, think about a problem you have in your life right now, okay, I'm thinking about a problem, okay, the most effective thing I can do is pray for God's wisdom, mercy, and help, so let's just stop for a minute here. I want everybody to pray about whatever problem that came into your life, just silently, but let's take that time. Okay. All right. What you accomplished in the last 30 seconds is more than you probably accomplished in the last week of being anxious, of being overwhelmed with whatever's going on in your life. Now, again, we don't feel it. Not like God sends us a text. No. But we know it's effective. And again, that takes maturity over time. You see, prayer is a skill that requires training and practice. There are many different disciplines, they call them, in the spiritual life. The discipline of prayer, the discipline of Bible study, the discipline of fasting. Different things that God has asked us to do to exercise in order that we might fully engage with Him and that we might be fully living out what God would want us to do. In this life. But it's a skill. It's, it's difficult to cultivate a skill, isn't it? This is a selfie that I took of myself yesterday. I was quite proud of it because it really doesn't look like I'm taking it. My arm is down, you know, and uh, I, I really haven't taken that many selfies of myself. It's kind of interesting to think about our culture, right? People constantly taking pictures of themselves. And back in my day, you know, you go to Walgreens or whatever, you get a picture uh, developed. And really, there weren't many, I don't remember, I mean, you have self-portraits as you look back in history, you know, different artists. And, and there are some different photographers that did that. But it's not like I got home, I mean, even recently, in whatever, the last 15 years, I got home and I took out the pictures from Walgreens and there was a picture that I took of myself. <laughs> How many, maybe you don't want to 
How many did that? How many actually took a picture of yourself, went into Walgreens, had it developed, took it back, maybe an 8 by 10, 8 by 11 picture of yourself? No, it didn't enter our minds back in that day. Because why would you take a picture of yourself? Who would be interested in that but you? Right? I'm giving some bad news. Nobody really cares about your selfies. They really don't. It might be interesting, and you, you put a lot of stock in it, like, oh, they're going to love that picture. I mean, I was proud of this picture. Ah, oh, you're so novice. You know what's going on. That's my dog, Shadow. We were out there, and the snow was coming down. And uh, it was fun. I said, well, let's take a, a selfie, because then I can put it on Facebook and tell people about my wonderful walk. And I'm not quite there yet either. It's still on my, cam- <laughs> still on my camera, my phone. I'll get to it, hopefully. But the idea, oh, here's some, oh, everybody, wake up. All right, hello. I know some of you might be sleeping right now, but I'm going to give you information you can use. I mean, this is everybody. I mean, you might rush right now to put it on Twitter or whatever. Where did the term selfie come from? Anybody know? Anybody know? Okay. Well, I looked it up, I googled it, and, and it comes, they've identified a man in 2002, I believe, who was, had a drunken party one night, and he woke up the next morning with a, a tear in his lip, and so he took a picture of it in order that he could show a friend, and send it to a friend, and, and so that really, because, you know, down under, one might say, you know, they have different words, and they kind of end words, like in that bungee, or you know how it is, and and so it's selfie. That's where it came from, selfie. Now that's good stuff, isn't it? Google it, and you can share it with your friends. Uh, I mean, that that's fascinating information for anything anybody today. Who cares about selfies? So, uh, but you see, I I don't have the skills. I don't have a I thought about getting a selfie stick once, and I forgot about it, you know. And uh, I just don't have the desire to take selfies. I'm not saying anything about any of you, really. I'm not saying anything about any of you. I'm just talking about, you know, my mindset. And, and um, I can understand why you take a picture with someone else, right? I mean, well, you could say, oh, Dan loves his dog. That's nice. Uh, but... With your family or something, that's cool. Okay, when other people are in it, that makes a lot more sense because that's how pictures were used in the past. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have any training. I mean, if somebody wants to give me a call or come into the office and give me some... I've never looked up how to take a selfie, how to take a creative selfie. The different emojis, man, I go with a smiley face every time. And I've been putting it, you know, just with the colon and the parentheses and... I think yesterday I actually put a, a, one of the smiley faces on. I was proud of myself. Man, I'm taking this down, you know. But you see, the way I feel about selfies is the way the majority of Christ followers feel about prayer. They have no desire to do it. And part of that is they don't know how to do it. And they just let it go. 
And they say the rope prayers, you know, you maybe learned as kids, uh, you know, thanks for the food, that type of thing. Uh, lay me down, that type of thing. Uh, yeah, so, well, let's just talk about prayer here. Matthew 18, 3. And he said, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. I think this is a great way to train you about prayer, because that's what we're going to do, some prayer training right now, because it's a skill you need to work at, you need to put time into, and it's a lifelong skill that you want to grow deeper and deeper and deeper, so approach it like a child. First of all, we have to realize that we're, we're children of the Father, if we're Christ followers, but you are, because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. And the Greek word there is what we would say, Daddy. Most of you know that, right? But think about it. That, that's our relationship with God. He's our dad. All right? And he's waiting for us. Daddy. You've all, again, we've talked about this in the real God. You have all conceptions of what God is like. And that's why it's important you get to know the real God because that will want, make you want to approach God. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Fear him again is that idea of respect, honoring God for who he is, recognizing him for who he is. So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Do you need some compassion this morning? I mean, if you could... Signify that by raising your hand and say, I need a hug. How many of you need a hug today? Adam got his hug. I have extra hugs, man. You know, they're free. The point is, we all need a hug for Pete's sake. Life is difficult. People are struggling with all types of challenges. We need a hug. And if you look at the literature about dealing with mental health, things of that nature, they say you've got to show yourself self-compassion. And that's a good idea because many people are just very critical of themselves and, and therefore the, for the person who has that type of issue, you need to show yourself self-compassion. Give myself a break today. Lower the expectations today. Self-compassion. Well, that's a great concept, but we got something much better than that. We have God our Father who wants to step into our lives and show us some compassion. I remember going through a very difficult time in my adult life many years ago. And I went home. And uh, I'm Daniel Frederick Harrison. Frederick. Very proud of that. <laughs> Frederick Harrison. That was my dad's name. And I, I just remember crying. And his hands were just, he was just giving me a big bear hug. I just cried there because of the pain I was experiencing. And I know many of you didn't have that type of experience with your dads, and I'm sorry about that. And I would encourage you to think about the most compassionate person you can think of in your life or ever think of in your life, okay? Think of that person and then make that association to God. That's God is like Cheryl. God is like Steve. God is like whatever. It's association. 
So when you think about that, when you think about God, you don't think of a judge or a policeman or a grandfather. You think about that person who has an incredible amount of compassion for you. And that's a great way to learn about God is to relate it to experiences in our lives. But God wants to show compassion to you. And of course, we talked about this a lot during the Christmas season. For we do not have a high priest, that's Christ, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Oh, wow. It's really kind of unbelievable, isn't it? Oh, Jesus lived today. He'd be sitting out there in the congregation, right? Yeah. I don't know where he'd be, but again, he'd be here. And he'd experience the snow. Jesus had to shovel his, uh, his driveway out if he lived in this day. And maybe he was having problems with his car. I mean, Jesus went through the same type of stuff that we do. Maybe Jesus is really tired this morning or he's fatigued or maybe he's feeling great. You know, maybe Jesus is tempted by something this morning if he was here. Because he experienced temptation. He really did. He knows what that He knows what it's like, where you're at right now, he knows what it's like. He's been you. He's been one of us. Wow, that really is powerful, isn't it? Let us then with confidence draw nearer to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We need to go confidently to God, Right? I mean, to appear before him, and I'm here. I love this picture. Maybe you know it, John F. Kennedy and his little son, Johnny, right? Playing underneath his desk. Here's this little guy, right? He has no clue who his dad is. He just knows his dad loves him and takes care of him and plays with him. He's just hanging out under the desk. And you see, associate John F. Kennedy with with God as a father. And then we're just under the resolute desk there. Just playing. Just hanging out. God's there all the time. You know, I'll go to him when I need him. I'll, I'll ask him for what, what I can do. And that type of thing. But man. We're under God's desk. Playing. Hanging out. And many of you don't remember that. And you're in a dark place. You're in a place where there is no light and you need to remember you're sitting under God's desk. And God is right there. And you can talk to Him anytime you want. You can pour out your feelings to Him because He is there. But there are different conditions about prayer that you remember. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that you, so at the proper time, He may exalt you. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Now, we love that, right? Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. But what do we need to do in order for us to feel that the presence of God, again, the mighty hand of God, right? We got the eagle hand here, God's eagle hand. Remember the field goal of the mess? Remember bear's loss? You know, whatever. So, the mighty hand of God... Casting all your anxieties on him. So, you have to humble yourself. You need to say, God, (laughs) yeah, you are God. You are my creator. 
And I want you to be my Lord every day. And I want what you want. I want to live the way you want me to live. It's hard, though, Lord. That's a humble way to go about it. Usually we don't even approach God at all. So there's not an issue of humility. It's pride, our own self-sufficiency, that keeps us from prayer. Pride is the greatest barrier to anything regarding God. Because you've got to lay it down. You want God to minister to you. So let's talk about different types of prayers. We've got crisis prayers. That's the most common type of prayer, right? The old, help me God, doesn't matter <laughs> if you're a Christ follower or not. And maybe you've never talked with God before in your life. But, it, but it's interesting in our world, when, when there seems to be no hope, what do people ask for? They ask for prayer. No hope whatsoever. Yeah. And the great news is that if you have a relationship with Jesus, you have hope, even though you feel hopeless. There will always be hope. The worst thing that could happen to you, well, no, the best thing that could happen to you is you die. Because you'll be in the presence of God, right? That's the worst thing we think that can happen to us, but if you're Christ, we're like Paul said, you know, I'd like to be with you, but I'd rather be with God, that kind of thing. Another type of prayer is need-oriented prayers. And this is where a lot of people are. that They go to God with needs, and God loves it when He comes to you with your needs. Oh, God, help me. Help me in this situation, that situation, that circumstance. And Lord, I pray you'd be with my friend Bob. I pray that you would give him compassion and love and grace in the midst of the difficulty he's going through. So, yeah, that flows pretty easily once we got the thing down. Yeah, prayer does make a difference. The next stage is thanksgiving prayers. Now, these aren't common, but again, as you mature as a Christ follower and you realize, <laughs> basically, you become more humble. All right? That's how you grow as a Christ follower. You become more humble before God. You give Him more credit. He's in charge. He's, you know, calling the plays. One might say He's in the driver's seat. Yeah, thanksgiving prayers. That's another level of maturity that most people never get to. Is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tire? Corey Tim Boom, survivor of the Holocaust, a great woman of God. And then conversational prayer. When you get to this level of the skill, because you've been working on it, you've been training, what you do is you just kind of talk to God as you go throughout the day. You're abiding in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit fills your body. And you just... He's there. That's the way it is with me. It should be. I've been in Christ for so many years, right? You know, I pray to Him at all times, and I don't get the feedback, whatever, but I just know, I know He's listening, and I know when I pray there is hope because He promised it to me. He made so many promises that I'm going to provide you. I'm going to take care of you. Give me your anxiety, your problems. I am here. And friends, the more you grow as a Christ follower, the more you realize that God is truly there. And the promises of God's Word come alive. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I'll help you, uphold you 
with my righteous right hand. But Isaiah 40, I think. Um, yeah. The hand of God. And as we close here, um, go to God today. He's okay with you just coming with needs because, again, it's a skill that you learn. best place to learn a prayer skill is in a small group, right? I'm going to agree with that. In a small group is the best. You know it. You've all been in small groups. Maybe you never prayed out loud before and you're praying out loud now. We're not asking you to do that, okay? <laughs> We're just saying go to God and say, oh, God, I want your hand to hold me. I want your hand to protect me. I want your hand to search me and find out where I'm not measuring up. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly today. Forgive our pridefulness. And thank you for that Bears game. Thank you for that block kick. Thank you, Lord. Because I know in my mind at least, when I think of it, I'll think about your hand. Lord, thank you how you work in every situation. In your son's name, amen.